Well, hello. Welcome back to the Army of Game Changers podcast. I'm your host, Vipe Desai. And if you're joining us for the first time, this podcast is here to help you to accelerate your personal and professional journey. You'll hear career and leadership insights from some amazing guests. And it's my hope that one day you'll become one of the game changers that will make a positive impact in your community. I wish I had these insights when I was getting started, but now you have them, and I hope you take advantage of these podcasts. On this episode, my guest is Megan Henderson. She's a co-anchor of KTLA Morning News here in Los Angeles, and she shared career insights gained across her time reporting, anchoring, editing, and producing. In addition, Megan is also active with a number of charities, and we're going to talk about the role that philanthropy has played in her career. So let's jump into that conversation. So Megan, thanks so much for taking time to join me on the podcast. Catch me up. What's going on in your world, and what's your uh, summer shaping up like? Oh, hi, Mike. Thank you again for the invitation. I so appreciate it. You know, I literally, I got off a plane last night about 9 p.m., from. The Smoky Mountains. I had not visited that part of the country, and um, I'm a huge traveler, so I took a few days off from work and went and experienced that part of the country, which was just just what I needed, nature-wise. And uh, and then my alarm was set for two eight two o two this morning, and I got up and, and went to work uh, as usual. So back to the grind this morning, but had a had a lovely vacation. Well, good. You know, we always need vacations just to recharge the batteries, and uh, glad to hear that you got to enjoy some time off. You know, let's let's talk about your career, because um, I've looked at it online, and it looks like you've always had this passion for journalism, and in a short amount of time, you've really moved up the ranks, and especially with KTLA Morning Show and everything. Talk to me about that trajectory, but also some of the career uh, lessons that you've learned along the way? Well, I, I would say I was, I'm very fortunate in the sense that I knew what I wanted to do very early. I remember in high school just kind of deciding, gosh, I would really love to pursue this, this avenue, journalism and broadcast journalism specifically. And just, you know, talking to my friends, so few of them felt that, you know, at the time or they thought they wanted to do something and changed careers about five or six times, you know, along the way, which there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I do consider it a blessing to which I really wanted to do it, knew what I wanted to do, was able to major in college in broadcast journalism and really kind of get started right away, you know, right out of college. So because of that, though, you know, the industry that I chose requires a lot of sacrifice in terms of being willing to move anywhere. Uh, and pretty much whoever offers you a job, you got to be willing to take it, and you got to start small. So you've got to start in in cities you may not have heard of. And I remember my first and only job that on air job that I was offered. I was in Wichita Falls, Texas, and I didn't even really know where that was in Texas when they offered me the job. But um, I said, you know, I'll take it. You're offering it to me. This is what I want to do. Let's do it. And I think it was for $15,000 a year at the time. So I deferred my student loans, you know, stopped paying those for a while and, um, and just started in my industry, picked up and, and moved to a part of the country. I was a California, Southern California girl. Um, so it was quite the culture shock, but I stayed there for about a year and a half and it was extremely valuable. And the way I tried to frame it in my head at the time, which I think really helped me get through it because 
that wasn't necessarily where I wanted to be. And, you know, I didn't know anybody and I was kind of just in the middle of the small town, little culture shock as a Southern California girl. But I thought of it as this is going to be my graduate school. So if I framed it that way, it, it didn't, it wasn't so painful that I was making $15,000 a year. It wasn't so painful that I was, quote, paying my dues in a town that I didn't know anybody and it felt like culture shock and, and that sort of thing. But, of course, I also used it as an opportunity to learn everything I could so I could kind of progress to that next level. And the way it works in TV news is there are about 150 TV markets, and you, you start – kind of at the highest market, which is in the hundreds, and then you could try to work your way to where you want to be, but Los Angeles is the number two market. So after Wichita Falls, which was about market 140, I was able to move to my next city, which was in Salt Lake City, which was market 36, and I spent a few years there. And then after that, I was able to move to Dallas, which was about market five at the time. And then finally, I got back to Los Angeles. So so it took time and, and a lot of patience and with every job, you sign contracts for a few years, and so you've got to be, again, willing to put in the time and put in the effort and, and also understand you may not get to where you want to be ever. You know, I, I was so fortunate to get a job in this city where I grew up, um, but that don't, doesn't always work out that way, and you got to kind of be willing to build a life wherever you're planted, and thankfully, especially like in my 20s, I was kind of up for the challenge because I knew that this was really what I wanted to do. So that was kind of the geographic <laughs> path that I took. But but I spent, I want to say, a year and a half in Wichita Falls. And then how long was I? I think I was in Salt Lake City for three and a half years, Dallas for five years. And now I've been at KTLA for about nine. So it's, and this is where I want to be. You know, people say, what do you want to do now? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm right where I want to be. My family's nearby. I love Southern California. It's everything to me. Um, so I am feel very fortunate and very blessed to be working in the city I love. Yeah, no, that sounds great. You know, it, it, what I heard from that is, one, is that you had a lot of passion for this type of career, and you knew it early on. Not all of us find that early on. You know, we're kind of lost in the early stages and we're bouncing around for many years until we hit our 30s or something and then we kind of find something. But one thing that you said that was really interesting was paying your dues. I don't hear that yeah. from a lot of people. I think everybody wants to achieve success immediately or they want to land their dream job right away. But paying your dues, that's something that I haven't heard. Can you expand mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think in my industry specifically and especially with I would say college students who are studying broadcast journalism and, and young people who've maybe recently graduated. A lot of them, they love the idea of like being on TV, you know, and then when they find out the reality of it, which is you're not going to necessarily get your first job in Los Angeles. You're not going to be able to move to Chicago or, or another big city if that's where you want to be or New York or whatever, but you do have to move to these small cities. It kind of weeds people out because they say, you know what? That's not for me. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to end up in you know, Bozeman, Montana, and I don't want to live in Twin Cities, you know, wherever, all these just smaller areas, which, by the way, are perfectly charming cities and wonderful places, but, but a lot of people, they don't want to do that. So I think it does weed people out, but it also is a reminder, if you are motivated, that these other people are being weeded out so you can get the job, you know, and, and the more you just stick with it 
And the more you remember what your end goal is and the harder you work to get to that next place and the more patience that you have, the better. I think oftentimes in my industry, the people who there's also, there's always going to be lucky people who make larger jumper, larger jumps quicker. And what I have seen just from being in the business so long is those who make those bigger jumps too early don't last often. Some do. You'll always have those people that just, they walked under a lucky star and this is what they were completely made to do and they were naturals and all that sort of thing. But I have watched a lot of people, again, especially in my 20s, who maybe would have gotten that job in the really big city too soon is the, is the best way to describe it. And it just doesn't last because maybe they don't have the chops to back it up or they don't have the education to back it up. And by education, I mean just in the, within the within the workforce, you know, making the mistakes. You can make the mistakes in smaller cities, and people aren't going to hold it against you. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can make the you know you can make those mistakes when when the stakes aren't as high. But when you are younger or you don't have as much experience, and you're you're making those mistakes on a larger stage, there's just not always that chance to recover in the same way that that you know other people have when you do start smaller. So I always encourage college students or high school students or, you know, people who've decided they, they want to do this. You, you do have to be willing to just work hard, put in the hours, and really do your time without expectation. And that's the other thing. There's a lot of um, expectation, I think, that a lot of times people have that comes a little too soon. They want it to happen so quickly you know, they want to get that dream anchor job, and but they're reporting right now, you know, and, and they feel like that's not good enough, and they want to be in the anchor seat. And I understand that frustration, but again, I've watched a lot of other people who just kind of sit quietly, work hard, and it does come. You know, it comes eventually if you just chill a little, you know, and don't, don't be your own worst enemy. I think sometimes we can... Um, we can want to get somewhere really, really fast and in the process do ourselves a disservice because we're not ready, you know, for, for whatever reason that is. So, and I have seen that quite a bit in this industry. Yeah, you know, I've seen that too in other industries as well, Megan. And it's, uh, you know, you have to be patient. You have to let your career develop naturally. And I think the other thing too that happens is if you're really passionate about what you're doing, you don't really have an end goal necessarily because you love what you do. And it doesn't matter whether you're at Wichita Falls or Salt Lake City or even mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. You're driven by your passion, so you're doing what you love. And you know that if you continue working hard, you will continue to progress and be given those opportunities when they come up. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's true. And they will come up. And I think... I think that's the other thing. You kind of need to trust the process sometimes as long as you are doing your part in the process, if that makes sense. Um, Because, again, I I look back and I think about the times where I just kind of kept my head down and things progressed in the way now I look at it in hindsight. At the time, I didn't. But they, they progressed in the way they should have, and I still got eventually to where I wanted to be. It may not have been in the amount of time I wanted it to be, you know, at, at the time, I wanted it to move faster. I wanted to be back in Los Angeles immediately. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just because that's where my family is. I mean, really. 
And um, it doesn't mean that it wasn't it wasn't challenging. But um, and there were jobs that would come open when I was living in other markets in Los Angeles, and I would be so close to getting them, but I wouldn't get them. And that felt so heartbreaking, and it seemed like the end of the world, and it seemed like I'm never going to get home. And, I, you know, it was all of those things. But, again, you look back and you think, oh, I didn't get that job because of A, B, and C. Now I see it more clearly, you know, or if I would have taken that job, then, gosh, that show went under. That never would have lasted. You know, I mean, I think a lot of times, too, we – we just need to kind of trust that things are working for us instead of against us. But again, as long as you're doing the work, that doesn't, that, that's not an excuse to stop doing the work, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And I, and I like yeah. your point that you have to trust the system. Um, right. You know, if you don't trust the system, then you can get frustrated, you can get burned out, you can get kind of angry at, at what you're doing, and you might want to leave. The, that trajectory before you even given it a chance. I've seen people do yeah. that before where they're on a great path and they just leave or they burn out and they miss out on great opportunities. So you, I, I like what you said. You know, you have to trust the system. Right, right. And or trust yourself in that, say, for me, it might be a t- specific television station. Maybe that station isn't for you, so do the work to get go somewhere else, you know, or, or move yourself, but keep doing the work. I guess that's always my, um, my advice of, you know, even if wherever your company is or whatever, wherever you're working for, maybe it's not the right fit, but it doesn't mean that there's not a better one that is a better fit. And it doesn't mean, again, that you should stop doing the work. I mean, that's, that's my big thing. I've just, I've seen a lot of people who just, they kind of give up, you know, and um, they give up when they were just about to get there, whatever that get there is, if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's like, hang on, just hang on, just hang on. And, you know, try to do it with a good attitude, too, you know. And I, and I don't know about you, but I've met very few people who are extremely, extremely, extremely great at their jobs who haven't made it eventually, you know. I mean, people who are extremely, extremely talented or extremely, extremely good, they don't stay quote, near the bottom or making this much money for long. If you're good, you're good, and people are going to recognize that. And it may take a little longer than you hoped, <laughs> or, you know, it, it, it may not be going at the speed you want it to go, but just just be good, and the right people will recognize it. I really believe that. Yeah, I like that outlook. You're, you're so right. You know, look, let's, let's, let's jump into another one of my favorite topics, and I know it's one of yours too, which is philanthropy. Um, you've gotten involved with some really important groups, and, um, I've worked with the folks at Heal the Bay. I know that they're one of your favorite organizations. Yes, they're great. Talk, Talk to me about how philanthropy has played a role in your career, and what are the lessons that you've learned about giving back? with the organizations that you work with? Because I think a lot of people don't realize the importance of giving back, getting involved with organizations in your community and how important they are. Oh, absolutely. You know, I I think just because of my job, you know, every day I – luckily I'm part of a morning show which has kind of a mix of news. Some is light, but a lot of it's heavy just because news of the day is heavy. So for me, giving back has really – helped me maintain a a balance within my own brain in terms of kind of canceling out the negativity, if that makes sense. And it's kind of done that for many years. And it's also really given me a perspective 
of the community that that I represent, you know, with with my job every single day. And my major philanthropy work kind of started, I would say, when I was in Salt Lake City, and I have a passion for for children and underserved children and children who are sick specifically. And I started working actually as a candy striper in Salt Lake City while I was doing a morning show. And I worked at a, at a children's hospital, which, you know, that was when I first really learned that, gosh, I'm, I'm getting as much back, if not more, from these children that I meet than I'm giving to them. You know, we, I think a lot of people think, especially like with children's hospitals or whatever, it's like, oh, I could never, I could never do that because it's sick children and it's so depressing. And, you know, I mean, it's, I understand what goes through people's heads, but I always say, gosh, no, just try it. And I guarantee you, you're going to walk out feeling like they did more for you than you ever did for them. You know, that's, that's kind of how I feel about all of the charities that I work for and whether it's Heal the Bay and going and picking up trash. And, and it's, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same concept, you know, it's giving back to your, to mother earth, it's giving back to nature, it's giving back to our ocean. It's, it's that sort of thing. And, and for me, it truly is just healing across the board, you know, and I, I work with UNICEF, which has been a huge, huge privilege. I was um, in Africa with them a few months ago and we were able to really shine a light on some of the major issues that are happening in the refugee camps there with all of the children. And I really now, as I've gotten older, started to view my philanthropic work truly as just a privilege more than anything else. And I think as someone who works in philanthropy, I, I'm guessing you can probably you probably feel the same way. You you kind of go in to do it, and again, it, so much so much of it is it just it just makes life better when you see the world through other people's eyes, you know, and and people who need you, and and the sense of community is so so important. And I really just feel it's important for all of us too to kind of be voices for the voiceless. Um, that's what kind of keeps me going. Um, whether it be for UNICEF, I work with inner city kids in, uh, here in Los Angeles as well. And, and just, it gives you a better perspective, I think, on life in general as well. It just, you start to view life through a different lens than you viewed it before. That's what I find through all of my philanthropic work. And, and it's definitely for the better. Yeah, I would agree. Everything that you just said is what I've experienced and what I have felt, too. It just feels so good to be able to help somebody. But also, you're right. It's like, you know, you, you feel like you're giving everything to these kids or people that you're working with, whoever it might be. But really, I mean, there's so much that we get back out of this. It right. almost, like, inspires us. And that, that's how it's worked for me. I get so inspired by these people that are working in the nonprofit sector. And, you know, you look at it, it's like, to me, these are some of the people that I look up to as heroes because they've given up the corporate life. There's no bonuses. They're not paid very well, but they are doing amazing work that many of us, you know, probably wouldn't want to do because the pay's not there. There's no bonuses. There's no stock options. There's nothing. They're just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. So. Yes, and I also find with, with those people specifically that you speak about, it's just in them, you know, because people, people will ask me about that too. It's like, what, what is it about them that, that inspires them? And it's, I find that whatever that little fire is that, that, that does inspire them, it's just there. You know, it's like I, 
I want more of it, you know, and I wish I, I, I always try to get more of it and get more of it and get more of it. But I do feel like a lot of these people took a whole nother level and thank God for those people. You know, it really is a whole nother level, like supernatural level. I feel like <laughs> a lot of times. It is. It's magical. Absolutely. What these people yeah. do. Well, Megan, look, thanks so much for sharing insights with me, but really more importantly, thanks for using your platform that you have as a journalist to bring attention to nonprofit groups and issues that are important to our community. I think that's something that we can all learn from, that we all have an opportunity to do something good with within our communities, and you're proving that, that that's helpful. Oh, you're so kind. Well, thank you. I know you do a ton of work, and and really, I just encourage everybody, there's no wrong cause, you know, it's, it's find something that touches you, you know, whatever that is. And the other thing is, like, it's not something you have to do every week or even every month, even just a couple of times a year, you know, showing up to a benefit or showing up to a Heal the Bay event. Or I, I just think any small steps that we can do, it all makes a difference. It, it just, it, it makes a huge difference, whether you know it or not. You know, and, and so I hope more people will, will be inspired to do that. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. So, Megan, if people want to keep up with you and follow you on your ventures and everything, where can they do that? What's the best place for them to keep up? Well, I'm probably most active on Instagram, so I'm uh, at Megan Henderson, just my name, M-E-G-A-N. And then uh, on Twitter, I'm at Megan Henderson as well. And then I have a Facebook page. Under Megan Henderson, too. It's very easy. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps it very easy. But I'm the most active on Instagram. I'm kind of a slacker on Facebook. Uh, but I try. I try to update it every once in a while. But thank you for asking. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Megan. I appreciate you sharing your time with us today. And uh, look forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you. You as well, Vibe. Have a great one. Well, that's it for this episode. And as someone who is heavily involved with nonprofits, it was so great to hear Megan talk about philanthropy and how her involvement is an important part of her career. I think we all have an opportunity to share our expertise with organizations that are doing important work in our community. And if you haven't already, maybe it's time to start getting involved with an issue that's important to you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Army of Game Changers. Please don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues. And if you like this podcast, leave a review on the iTunes page. And if you have any questions or feedback, you can connect with me at Vipe Desai. That's V-I-P-E-D-E-S-A-I. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great week and I'll be back with you soon with another inspiring guest.